Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For the Region about the future of South West Wales. Thank you so much to you all for joining us today for the first of our roundtable conversations for our new YouTube channel um, called Build Back Better. We're delighted to see some new faces here today. We've got some of our members and actually some people that we've never met before. So we're really excited to get to know a little bit more about you. Circular economy is a real passion of ours, um, particularly mine. I used to be a bit someone who didn't really understand why we recycled on a regular basis. And um, then three years ago, I went to an event in the Volcano Theatre, which completely changed the way that I thought about waste and um, the last three years I've been on a bit of a journey and have met some really interesting people and um, I'm delighted to be able to use for the region to try and reach out to other individuals and businesses and organizations to help to get them to change their perspective about waste as well. So I'm really delighted that uh, we've got Andy Rees from Welsh Government with us today, Rosalie from Smile Plastics, uh, Simon Jones from Ministry of Furniture, Trevor Davis from The Repair Cafe, Ian Finney from Come Environmental, and my colleague and host Dawn Lyle. Over to Dawn. Oh, thanks Zoe. Welcome everyone. And uh, as Zoe says, we're really excited to have a conversation about the circular economy and particularly about waste um, and how we could deal better with um, our waste. And lockdown has meant that a lot of people have been clearing out their homes and accumulating piles of junk that are probably just waiting to go to landfill um, and surely there's a better solution. Wales already leads the way I think in Britain if not the world on um, recycling rates and I think a lot of that is down to tremendous effort by Welsh Government um, over the last few years of really putting recycling and waste management um, really high up the priority list. Um, Andy Rees is Head of Waste Strategy at, Welsh, at the Welsh Government and um, you real personal passionate advocate for managing our waste better. How have we achieved such um, high rates of recycling? What is that success story and what's, what's been the key to that in your view Andy? Uh, well done. It's been um, a bit of a 20-year journey. Um, many of those uh, taking part will, uh, uh, will will know that and will have been uh, involved. Um, we, we set out the first waste strategy in 2002 and it was built around sustainable development and really listening to citizens uh, and what they what they wanted and, and, and also children. Um, so uh, we looked at best practice, um, we put funding into local authorities, um, we set them statutory recycling targets which did focus their minds and everyone else's. Um, we did a lot of work um, to engage people uh, and make them aware of all of the issues and why recycling uh, was important. And uh, Zoe, perhaps we didn't quite reach everyone uh, maybe 20 years ago, but we, we did our best. Um, we had a major TV advertising campaign for three years um, it's our future, don't throw it away, based around children uh, getting the message across uh, child act actors. And then all of our local authorities have done a fantastic effort to roll out um, such a comprehensive recycling service. And they've used various sort of nudging techniques, um, like reducing uh, residual um, waste uh, collections, uh, reducing bin sizes to encourage more people to recycle. And probably the real key uh, to all of it was food waste recycling and also providing a full range of plastics to be collected because that's what people wanted. They wanted to be able to recycle as many bits of plastic as possible. Yeah, and I suppose um, key to that, we're, we're delighted to welcome Ian Fenny from Come Environmental. So you're talking about household food waste um, and the collections that all the local authorities are making in, in terms of curbside collection of recyclable materials. Ian, that's your business, I suppose. Uh, tell us about what you do at Come Environmental and, and what do you think has been the sort of big transition over the last few years? I think, um, well, certainly here in, in, in Come, we're the, we're the hub for the region. So we have Carmarthenshire Council, Pembrokeshire, Swansea, Neathport, uh, Ceredigion. 
So our facility is uh, designed on you know, optimizing as much recycling as possible. So as, as Andy said, there's been, a, there's been a big emphasis on separate food collections, which we do. So we've got a separate facility here that we do um, food recovery, which goes over to another facility to make compost-like outputs. We do a lot, we do a lot with the green waste as well. So we have a special product called um, Merlin's Magic, which is sold on Amazon at the moment, actually. So we, and, and again, it, it's a really great product. But in, in terms of plastics, now we get a lot of, we get, we get a, um, a mix called DMR, which is dry mix recycling. And in there, we've got cans, aluminium, uh, we've got a lot of different mixed plastics. So we have a, a facility here that segregates all of that into recoverable commodities. Um, so we're certainly working with Carmarthenshire Council. Obviously, we're owned by Carmarthenshire Council. Uh, and we've helped them achieve already the government targets for recycling. Um, I think over the last two years, I'm new to Wales, by the way. I've only been here four months. I've come across from uh, Firador in Bristol. Um, but being over here already, it's quite, it's quite refreshing to see the, the approach of Wales, certainly with the circular economy. But the drive towards the recycling markets here seems so much stronger than across the border. So, and I think the mentality here is a lot different of keeping circular economy going. But in terms of recycling, everybody's driven in a different, the mindset's different yes, whilst being in Wales to, to England. I think a lot of it's probably to do with the campaigns that's happened two or three years ago. So everyone is, it's just the mindset of actually the members of the public. They all want to know what happens to the recycling. They want to see where it goes and they all get behind it. So I think England is slightly behind in the educational mindset of how we do things in Wales. That I'm, you know, I'm loving it here. It's, it's really refreshing. Um, yeah, um, looking forward to the future. That must be sort of gratifying, Andy, to hear that, that the, the culture in Wales is noticeably different from that in the UK. Um, and obviously, uh, I think Welsh Government has a zero waste Wales strategy. Um, and working with local authorities and then with businesses in that supply chain to manage more and more of our waste. I wondered how much do you think of our waste in Wales is processed and dealt with in Wales and how much of it um, is still sort of exported? Um, yeah, good, good, good question. Um, we, we, we have some major um, sort of UK and almost European scale reprocessors um, uh, who, who, who take um, and recycle various materials. So, so we have Tata Steel, we have Salsa, we have UPM um, who recycle newsprint. Uh, we've got Kronospan who recycle wood um, and uh, NAF who manufacture uh, glass fiber insulation um, out of uh, bottled glass uh, waste. So we do have major UK, you know, UK and almost international scale um, factories like that using recyclate, but there are other types of recyclate, um, such as cardboard, where we don't have uh, mills uh, in Wales. Um, plastics, we have some plastic reprocessing, but not enough. Um, and that's definitely an area where we need to encourage more investment. So our goal is to try and recycle and use as much of it as possible within Welsh manufacturing, where that's feasible within global supply chains. Um, let, let's not forget that a lot of what we buy in the shops um, is manufactured abroad. Um, so some of our recyclate goes abroad, so it's incorporated into those products that were then imported and used within the UK. Um, and all raw materials are circulated all around the world um, because they're global commodities. Um, so we just need to keep that uh, in mind. But as far as possible, we want to use as much of the recyclate within Wales as we can and we're supporting various programs to try and achieve that, um, including you may hear from one of the companies later, hopefully, uh, Smile Plastics <laughs> so, is, a, is a good example. Great. Um, well, on, on that note, Smile Plastics, we've got Rosalie here. Um, Smile Plastics is a business based in Gower in, uh, in Swansea, and um, you take plastic and make it into beautiful materials, I think, Rosalie, don't you? Do you want to tell us a little bit about what, what you do? Yeah, sure. I'll give you an overview and apologies for the terrible internet connection in advance. 
Okay, so I, I'm Rosalie. I'm one of the founding directors of Smart Plastics. We are an artisanal um, materials design and manufacturing house where we make sort of large-scale decorative panels and products from various waste streams. It tends to be predominantly recycled plastics that we work with, both consumer and post-industrial waste. I suppose we don't see ourselves as a recycler as, as such. We sort of take um, segregated clean plastics and um, recycle it and we manufacture beautiful materials uh, from, from it. Um, we, we pride ourselves on making some of the most sort of beautiful and highest quality uh, plastic materials around. You can actually see some of them behind, um, behind me. Um, they tend to be 100% recycled and also uh, completely recyclable as well, which is a really important factor um, for us. And we have a core range of materials. Um, some of them quite striking, some of them more sort of subtle in aesthetic. And then we go around and we make completely customised materials as well for people. Um, and it might be anything from a particular colour uh, palette that our clients are wanting to work with um, through to specific patterns and also looking at specific waste streams as, as well. And we can work with our own clients' waste to manufacture panels and products for, for them as well. And we, we sell predominantly to architects and designers who use it for commercial applications, for display surfaces, for furniture and fittings. They tend to use, be used a lot for shop fit outs and also in the hospitality sector and, and also for offices, for sort of reception desks and de you know, desks and furniture and fittings and those sorts of things. But because, I mean, they're really, really easy to, to, to work with. Um, and so they're, they're they're pretty versatile as well. But one great application is in within a sort of wet room, bathroom environment because they're 100%, um, you know, waterproof and, and rot resistant. And so they tend to work really well in those sorts of in, environments. Um, we in, inherited the, the, the brand Smart Plastics in 2014, but there's a long history of manufacturing, you know, beautiful high quality materials from um, waste that dates back to the early 90s. And we've sort of reinvented the concept and we've been growing year and year. The last, this past year, 2019, we received some funding um, from the Welsh Government um, and also from RAP to support us in scaling our operations because we are such a small, tiny business um, here at the moment. And through this process, we're making larger scale uh, panels that are three meters long instead of two meters long. Um, and that's gonna massively um, increase our production capacity, um, which is really important because we're really just scratching on the surface of the, the waste problem at, at the moment. So it's all about scalability and for us. And we're probably talking about this a little bit more in, in, in uh, later on in this, uh, this webinar, but you know, we're, we're all about scaling our micro factory around the world, both in Wales yeah. and yeah. yeah, I think it's a key theme and we will come back to it, you know, how scalable are examples like that um, to scale up to the level needed to solve the enormity of the problem. Um, and I, I think we've heard from two different business organisations um, in our region that are um, helping to deal with some of that waste material. And we can hear quite clear messages from Welsh Government and from you, Andy, about that being absolutely the strategy um, to make sure we're getting more value out of those waste streams. And, and um, I think there's a saying, isn't there, that one man's waste is another man's treasure. Um, and it's, it's clear that we all want to see more of that. But where does the power lie? I mean, I'll start with you, Andy, from Welsh Government. You know, is, is the power to change our behaviour with government? Is it with the local authorities? Um, is it the big businesses? Is it us as individuals, as consumers? And where does the power lie? <laughs> um, the power to change really uh, rests with all of us um, and all of the organisations you've, you've uh, mentioned there. Um, we've each got to play our part uh, and if we don't we, we won't succeed. So, so government has a role, business has a role and uh, community enterprises have a really important role um, and, and but probably most importantly, it's down to individuals. Um, we, we need people-based solutions to make uh, to get uh, the necessary change that we need. Uh, and as you said earlier, um, you know we, we have a very 
uh, receptive public in Wales who are keen to do the right thing environmentally. They get it and understand it, which is fantastic. Who else would like to come in on that about where the power lies? I'm interested in whether you think we need regulation or is it culture change um, and, and individuals? Hi there, oh. Lara from Natural Resources Wales. Lara. Hi. Um, yeah, I just agree with Auntie that it's definitely a combined effort, um, you know, from from everybody, individuals to businesses, local authorities, governments. But we need to remember as well that, um, you know, household waste accounts for a very small amount of recycling within Wales. And we need to be looking wider at what we can capture from, from industry and businesses to sort of widen widen our target and our approach so that we can can get a sort of a, a higher a higher result i suppose and so engaging businesses in thinking about um becoming zero waste do the infrastructures exist to um help businesses uh think differently about their own waste streams i mean maybe ian you could come in on this in terms of some environmental do you, are you engaging with businesses and with industry and um, coming up with solutions for those different waste streams? We, yeah, we are. I mean, we're quite passionate about circular economy here. But I think in, in terms to drive change, we've got already recycling targets. But I think from a pr business perspective, there's also, there has to be financial incentives for, obviously everything we do as a business is, is based around profit as well as other aspects. Um, so for here, um, some of the key things we're looking at is is recycling our own plastic. So we export quite a lot of plastic to the UK and Europe. We're looking to actually put manufacturing on this facility. So we've extended, um, we're a 100 acre site. We just bought a further 60 acres. So we're looking to develop, um, come environmental as a hub for the southwest of Wales. So on here, we want to build an eco park and bringing all the, the small types of businesses that lend its hand to circular economy. So we're looking at, you know, making, because at the moment our compost bags come from England, so to speak. So we're looking to actually use our own plastic here to make our own compost bags to then sell the product locally. Um, we're looking at um, manufacture of concrete blocks here. So where we have uh, waste glass, waste aggregates, we're looking to then start manufacturing blocks, which are the construction blocks again, for use in Wales. So we're using Welsh waste to make end-of-line products. But So we're doing that for, uh, as there's financial benefits for that, but there's also good environmental benefits in helping Marthenshire Council reach its environmental targets and exceed them. We want to push uh, beyond six, 65%, 70%. We want to keep pushing the boundaries till we, you know, us as a business are one of the best recyclers in Wales if not one of the best in, in, in the world in terms of what we're trying to achieve. Um, so it, it's difficult. It's, we do have our targets and some people struggle to meet them if the financial support isn't behind. So I know Welsh Government are looking at funding a lot of circular economy projects, which is great for us, that we can tap into that funding. But where we can't, we've then got to try and attract um, commercial uh, investment, external investment. And that's not always easy because the market with commodities changes. Like oil prices have dropped now. So plastic has dropped 40, 50 pounds per tonne in its value only over a month. Cardboard's the same. We've lost 40 pounds a tonne from what we were selling last month to what it sells this month. So because the market moves so rapidly, businesses have, have, have got other um, areas that they have to consider. So, you know, legislation's good. Financial uh, benefits are good, but if we have a stable output, so whatever waste we produce goes back into a, a Welsh economy. So we, rather than having this uh, drop in 30, 40 pounds per tonne each month, I think if we knew what we were going to do for the next 12 months, if it was going to be a figure, we can invest in that and we can work towards you know, making the products in Wales and selling them in Wales and keeping the circular economy going. So I think us as a business, that's what we're focusing on at the moment. And I think us as a region um, ought to be focusing in exactly the same way. It comes back to what's often called the foundational economy and building resilience in our um, economy and society. The more we can develop local businesses and local supply chains and produce what we need uh, closer to home, 
um, the more resilient we are against shocks in the wider market and uh, global crises like the one we're experiencing now. Um, it's a key message, isn't it, how we build that resilience. Um, and do you think, you know, I, I mean, I think it sounds amazing, the, the idea of having a hub where entrepreneurs and, and people with great ideas in the circular economy are connected with the waste streams and looking at innovative ways of using those waste materials. Um, and clustering those in, in a regional hub sounds like a really sensible idea because I think it's often about making those connections between the waste and the, and the enterprise that could do something exciting with it. Um, but do you think that when we're talking about waste, um, we should really be talking about consumption? Um, because, it, you know, we're, we're talking about how we're dealing with things at the, at the end of their useful life or uh, the first stage of their useful life. But we've got such a throwaway culture. Um, can we talk about waste without talking about consumption? And do you think the signs are there? that people are changing their attitudes and genuinely embracing the idea of um, zero waste. I'd like to bring in Russell Storer, who is the founder of a really lovely shop called Balance in Swansea. It's a zero waste food shop. Um, Russell, tell us a bit about what you do and do you think attitudes are changing? Do you think um, consumption habits are changing? And um, you know, where do you think the, the hope lies? Um, yeah, I, I, I believe that consumers have um, quite uh, a large role in this. Um, consumerism is uh, one of the main reasons why there's waste out there, not just from the products itself, but also the packaging that they come in. So yeah, I, I run a, a small um, bulk food shop in Sketty in Swansea. I try not to call it a zero waste shop because we have waste ourselves. So. It, it sometimes gives people a reason to um, uh, say that you're not a zero waste shop. But um, so yeah, the idea is that customers bring their own containers with them for the dry foods and personal hygiene products, um, cleaning products. We we've been open nearly a year now, coming up in July, um, which is crazy. Um, and we may looking at figures may have saved three thousand plastic bottles, maybe more going into recycling or landfill. Um, it's, it sounds a lot, but really the amount of waste that is out there, we know that it's just a drop in the ocean. Um, but we're, we're trying to change habits and we're getting new customers in every week. Um, I think people are on a journey, um, possibly the current situation has made people think a little bit more about their their household waste because they can see it a bit more because they're all stuck at home now they can see their bins piling up and you know they may still be ordering things online it's not that shops have closed completely so they can actually see the waste they're bringing in now and the um the streams that are going out on uh, on bin day so i think everyone really is going to play a part in this particularly the consumer aspect of it that the less we buy the better um, we tend to buy what we want as opposed to what we need. Um, so, you know, from all, from all angles, really, from consumer to business to councils to government, everyone definitely plays a part in that. Zoe, it's something you're passionate about, isn't it? All this waste that you take home from the supermarket or um, that comes with all the products all the time. Um, and yeah. do you think that there's more that... Uh, supermarket should be doing or who I, oh, I think, is it? I think um, as Russell has said that COVID has given us an opportunity to look at everything that we're buying on a regular basis um, we're not going anywhere we're not spending any money we're looking at all the things we bought and thinking do we need to like what did we buy that for um, everybody's been clearing out their garages and sheds and every and um attics ready waiting for the refuse centers to reopen so they can just get rid of all their waste but what it's a real opportunity for people to think differently about what they can do with that waste do they really you know uh, um we've got trevor from the um repair cafe you know it's a real opportunity for people to think well i can just get this repaired why am i wasting all my money um, on 
just chucking things away and buying new things. I think um, there's um, there's an opportunity to create new jobs, a new economy. Like Dawn mentioned, innovation is key to this. It's a real opportunity for the next generation to come up with ideas. We could be really unique um, here in our region. Um, when it comes to the circular economy, we could we could create a whole place. I don't know whether anyone's been to Byron Bay in Australia, but it just feels so different. Everything is organic and sustainable. And it just, imagine if we could do that here in South West Wales, I think it would be really exciting. And I think it's um, by getting the next generation involved at an early stage can really help to drive them uh, the mission really. Well I'll bring you in Trevor um, from the Repair Cafe. I mean speaking personally for myself I have no skills um, in fixing anything and um, I often feel just really powerless when something breaks down and the frustration of thinking that I know there's life in this thing but um, I don't know how to fix it. Do you think as a society, the loss of all those skills is part of the problem? And do you think we can re rebuild that skill set of repairing? I think maybe a generation or two or three ago, um, people were better at fixing things because they had to. So, and you keep a skill because you need it. And as soon as you don't need it, you, you, you just lose it because we haven't needed to repair for so long now, really. I suppose we have, I suppose we need to repair things now, thinking on it, but we haven't thought that we had to repair, we could just get rid of them. And it's that sort of attitude um, that, that, is, that, that comes before now with people, I think, and it's changing slowly, but I, I still think um, it's such a small amount of people that think, I mean, we do, but when, I mean, I've got a, a flooring company um, and I, so I see the, uh, you know, everyone I saw, every kind of customer that you could think of. And the vast majority of my customers have no idea about this. They, they, they go to BMFM, they buy a load of landfill waiting to happen. Their kids use it, it's in landfill, it's just plastic. And, and they, it's, they're a long way from where perhaps we are. And um, and I think it's 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 pulling them in, you know, it's uh, educating them, you know. And I think that's our biggest challenge. I think um, I don't know if Russ in his shop finds the same that it's perhaps more middle class, perhaps uh, people. Uh, maybe Rosalie the the same with her products, you know. Um, it's quite easy to convince people to make a bit of a take a financial hit if they can afford it. Whereas if you ask a single mother of four kids to, to perhaps start paying a bit more for things, she's just going to say no straight away. She can't even think about that, you know? And, and it's those, there, there are some holes in our, you know, where we're going forward in this environmental movement. And we're going to leave people behind because those four kids won't be brought with as either, you know? Um, but we, but I, I think I think certainly teaching people how to repair stuff would be a great thing, and kids could get involved in that as well. You know, uh, it's interesting. I've just been writing a few things down. Um, we talked about incentives. You know, whether it was government or um, individuals, um, and as far as the reuse, repair, recycle is concerned, obviously there's a couple of us here who are in the reuse, uh, and then possibly repair with me. Whereas the recycle seems to have all the, 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 the finance behind it now. It seems to me that there's not a lot. Uh, uh, well, where could you throw money at reusing? There isn't a real business model behind that. Just telling people to reuse stuff, I suppose. You, know, there's not a, there, you don't need entrepreneurs and stuff. It's not a big movement behind it. Maybe government has to come in then just as an, on an advert on TV and say, you could keep reusing this stuff if you just think this way about it or repair this. So that there's another little look at as far as I'm concerned, where it's great that there's hopefully billions of pounds being spent on recycling now, which is great. But, you know, I think perhaps a more of a, the individual approach towards reuse and repair would be good, you know. I've often thought that there should be um, 
a sort of marketing or branding campaign around reusing products. We've had lots of um, meetings and conversations um, with businesses who are in um, the reuse the business yeah. of reusing products. We've had a company who um, uh, repurposes old paint, and the paint is absolutely like brilliant. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with it, but the fact that it's been recycled or repurposed, it's a branding issue. It's a it's a psychological thing. People think, oh, it's not the quality's not going to be there, yeah. but. Um, Whereas it absolutely is, but it's it's a psychological thing for people, and I don't know whether there's sort of a branding mm. or marketing job that we need to do about um, recycle about reused products. Yeah, basically. yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Andy, would you like to come in there? Um, okay, this this is intended advert for a certain company that might be represented uh, on this, but I am sat on a remanufactured office chair. Um, that I, I paid for myself uh, uh, and, and I picked up and you would never know that it's not brand new. It's been remanufactured so, so well. Um, and, and, you know, there are, there are great companies doing that um, and people need to buy that sort of thing. Um, there, there is, of course, the argument that you're doing people out of jobs who manufacture the original chair, but a lot of them, uh, not, not maybe this one, but a lot of them are, are manufactured abroad. Um, and so this is a, an opportunity to use the value in those materials that have been imported to then create jobs within Wales, yeah, through remanufacture and repair. Yeah, well, that's a great, great endorsement for um, Ministry of Furniture. And we've got Simon Jones, one of the directors of, of Ministry of Furniture with us. And you uh, remanufacture furniture. Tell us about your business and, and the story of how, how that's developed. Well, thanks, Andy, for the endorsement, and uh, and Dawn for mentioning the name. So that that's uh, two ticks in the box for me. Um, yeah, my name's Simon Jones. I'm the commercial director for Ministry of Furniture. And Ministry of Furniture was ex-Remploy. So unfortunately, when the funding was pulled on the Remploy model, um, the business tried to do a uh, management buyout. Unfortunately, unsuccessful. So set up a limited company and. And while the model is, you know, that, that we shouldn't be worried or concerned about making money from it, um, I think we still retain the social values and social aims part that Remploy did. And we sort of fell into the circular economy stuff about three years ago when Swansea Council asked us to look at a number of pieces of furniture that they had and then a larger programme. And I, I was just totting up some numbers this morning and interestingly, uh, with our start with the Orange Box G64 chair, which Andy has uh, said that he's sitting on there, is um, we, we probably sold about 3,000 of them in the last two and a half years. Wow. And, and that's not a bad thing, you know. Um, I think we've saved about 6,500 office pieces of furniture from going into landfill. Um, again, and... and we fell into it, we've done okay with it, and, and, and we're rolling with it as best we possibly can. I do think that there is a mind change and a, a, a preconception by people that um, it's not going to be as good a product, and, and I totally agree with that. And it, education is a major, major part in that, whether it be at school level especially, so that we get future generations involved and yeah. you know, really buying into this. I think that's really important. Um, yeah, when I when I do talks for Rap Cymru about the uh, about, about the office furniture, I think they envisage like my wife does, you know, the old Annie Sloan paint um, making good a, a dresser, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've got a couple in the house, but, um, but the office furniture just looks as good remanufactured as it, as it would um, if it was brand new. And I think that that mind change and that mindset needs to be um, addressed and. I think a marketing campaign may be led by Welsh Government on brilliant companies in Wales like the ones that are represented here today it could be a, a fantastic drive. I mean, maybe not advocate in particular companies, but, um, you, you know, a marketing campaign around that could be really well sought. I really appreciated uh, what you said, Trevor, about landfill waiting to happen. You know, that's a label that needs to be smacked onto a huge amount of what we buy and use. 
but also this point about um, equality of access to um, a more sustainable lifestyle, and whether it's, um, it's a luxury in itself to be able to think about um, spending a little bit more money in, in order to ensure something has been sustainably yeah. produced. Um, Russell, I mean, do you preoccupy yourself with that in your zero waste shop? It's in a nice area, and what's the demographic of your customers? And do you think there are things we could do to broaden the accessibility of, of more people to um, live more sustainably? Yeah, I think all, all um, in hyphen brackets, um, zero waste shops are aware that the people who can afford to shop there probably have a little bit more money, a little bit more disposable income. Um, it makes you realize when you're buying the product in for the shop, um, really how much power supermarkets must have over their suppliers. Um, because as much as I would actually love to give this stuff away for free to people or at cost price, um, it still probably wouldn't be cheaper than what a supermarket can offer because they're buying so much of it at, at one time. I'm buying maybe a 25 kilogram bag of lentils. They're probably buying 25 million bags of lentils and they're just getting it for so much cheaper and therefore they pass that on. And that's for every single one of their products in their supermarkets, which is why, you know, I think we're, we're so used to not spending money on the important things like food. You know, you can buy um, a burger from McDonald's for less than a pound. Um, and I think to, we, as a shop at the moment or as a, um, an industry at the moment, we can't match that. And so we're relying on the customer to make that better choice. Um, and, and they are, and they're not necessarily buying as much from us as they would. So quite often they'll, you know, they only need to buy the amount that they're going to use for that week or that fortnight. They don't have to buy a pack that they'll use a little bit of, and then the rest of it will sit in the back of their cupboard. Um, so, it doesn't necessarily mean that the shop is more expensive, but probably the amount of product that they could get over time is less for the same amount of price. Um, but yeah, what, you, what you, someone mentioned about it's already going into landfill, virtually everything that's manufactured will eventually be waste at the moment. Everything that goes through a manufacturing process at some point, whether it's a car, a fridge, clothes, shoes, a mobile phone, it's all got an end date and some within just a few years because you know that a year later that same manufacturer has brought out a new product and, and we as consumers, we want that extra product and they're very clever with their advertising, they know how to do it, they're very clever in putting whatever it is in that food so that we want to go back and eat it even though we know it's not good for us. Um, so I think from an advertising point of view and um, I think certainly businesses like myself and like the, the furniture place and, and all the more sustainable um, manufacturers and producers, we need a way of actually telling people that this way is better, not necessarily from a financial point of view, but in the long run, and we might not see it, but our children and our children's children will. And it's, you know, we're making the decisions now for that, that big, date of 2050 of all sorts that 2050 comes up for for nearly all sectors um and we may not be around to see what happens there so really it's the younger generations who are going to be making those decisions because they're going to be the ones living at that time so you know we need to try and get them involved as well through schools and um through uh, colleges and universities because they're the ones that are going to be living their lives during that period of time. I mean, I think, you know, that's one of the ways in which I think in Wales we have um, the best government in the world in that the, this agenda is coming very strongly through from Welsh government in, in, in thinking about education of, of young people. And the, the, the door is ready to be pushed on um, in terms of getting that um, messaging um, more widespread. But I think we keep coming back to this issue of the financial viability of um, living more sustainably. And, and one of the projects that wasn't able to join us today was the Remakery in Pembrokeshire. And they're an example of a project 
I, I suppose, that has received support. I think they had leader funding um, for the lifetime of a project to um, run a, I suppose it's like repairing and, and remaking um, items. But what their future is uncertain because when the funding stops and the pressure to become a commercially viable business, um, it makes it very difficult for them to continue. So should we be looking at a model where these kinds of initiatives are funded, that we should all be paying for them for the well-being of future generations? Or should we be looking at models like Smile Plastics very successfully creating a, a commercial market um, for those goods? I mean, what, what's, what's the balance there? And how, how can we scale up and um, spread these initiatives at the kind of pace that is demanded? Who would like to come in and talk about that? I think it's really important that we collaborate. Um, there seems to be a worry, especially in business communities, that, you know, because it's competitive in some ways, that, um, you know, you should stay away and it should all be our money that comes into the business. But I tend to find that, that, that you gain more if you collaborate, and especially from a circular economy perspective. And with the office furniture and, you know, we've done bars, restaurants, cafes, with Paint360, for instance, instance that, that Zoe mentioned earlier on. We use a company called Greenstream, which is a kick up in uh, Merthyr and, and really brilliantly run for, for carpet recycling and carpet tiles. Um, th there are various brilliant companies that I know of in Wales and, and further afield that, that we should embrace and we should join uh, forces with in order to gain the better um, end product. Um, I've got to say that I'm really glad to have been invited on this because um, I, I saw some of the names on, on Friday and uh, I've already been in touch with Smile Plastics and it looks like there's a synergy there. So, um, yeah, it, it can all be good, I think. And Natural Resources Wales Area Statements Process. Um, yes. at, at the, well, they've just gone live in March, our first area statements, but they're um, sort of an iterative process which we're looking to develop over the years and that's all about sort of stakeholder engagement and collaboration and where you know natural resources Wales can support but through multiple stakeholders all assisting each other so I know that the, the team that are leading on that have been in touch with with you but it would be a really good opportunity to get your um, your views and your involvement and your member involvement within that process because um, at the minute, I believe there's four themes for the Southwest area, and um, there's not one specifically on circular economy. But if we can get a circular economy within that area statement, there may be opportunities that come out of those area statement processes and any funding that then can sort of help with, with initiatives to help with the prevention and reuse and repair. I also really think there's a massively important job to do around mapping the what we've got, mapping our supply chain, mapping businesses, what the products that they have, what do they use, what is their waste and where can it go? And then by mapping that, we can link, link it up. Last year we ran a, an event and um, there was uh, somebody doing some research into a new sugar and the person sitting next to them at this event was um, creating a new, uh, creating a beer and it worked out that the waste from this ale that they were producing was the perfect um, substance that this person needed and it's only through understanding what's here in the region and the businesses and it could be it could be completely unrelated to your own business but by understanding and mapping that it's a real opportunity to create that real circular economy business network. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Rosalie, do you want to come in on that? From yeah, I, I just wanted to make um, a, a quickish point that my personal view is that a, a lot of different parties can really benefit from a circular economy and it's, it should be commercially viable for both consumers but also, also businesses. I think there's also, I think there's often this false economy with buying cheap stuff, cheap stuff that is not designed to uh, designed to last that's only going to last you know for one or one or two times and um, and i think over over time i think people realize after buying this 
the cheap stuff that it doesn't actually make it doesn't actually make financial sense over the over the long run and i think slowly people are realizing that and i have already started to see this trend of people um thinking that it is cool to you know refurbish their you know their sewing machine that stopped working and etc etc and and it's it's really really fantastic to see but i think when you when you talk about designs design products there's so many aspects to it that are really in, important there's sort of the the technical durability of a product so that it can last a really really long time and um, and then there's also the emotional durability of something super want you know if you if you imbue something with um with 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 that emotional you know and you generate that emotional connection people are going to want to keep it for longer and if it does stop working they're going to want to um you know want to repair it and i think there's a really really big element in that that we've been missing over the last few years that you know that we're wanting to focus on and um, more in the future and and lastly i think a really core part of the circular economy is around designing for disassembly and actually making it easy for people to um, to repair it and also recycle it at the end of its life. And I think if you can do all of those those things, then there's actually a win-win for everyone concerned, financi financially, but also kind of environmentally as well. And I suppose at, at Smart Plastics, that's exactly what we're, we're trying to do. And, you know, our, our mission really is to change people's perceptions about, about materials and, and specifically plastics here. You know, people don't value plastics, particularly the single-use plastics packaging that they get, you know, from the supermarket. And I suppose in, do, in, in creating these beautiful materials, we're encouraging people in a really positive way to engage in this discussion about, you know, value of of, of materials and trying to get people to maybe value those um, that package, plastic packaging so much that they're not going to kind of discard it on the street or throw it into the ocean or whatever they're going to do, that they're going to keep it and they're going to think, oh, what can I do with that? Or worst case scenario, you know, put it in the recycling so that small plastics can reimagine it into, you know, something really, really beautiful. Um, and you know, I suppose with the materials that we're making, they're, they're really, they're high quality materials that are designed to, to last a, a long time. And that's a really big part of it. And it, it might, it might sound a bit stupid, um, but we're sort of trying to, to, to make materials that pot potentially could be heirloom, you know, heirloom pieces that, you know, you're, I, you know, if, if something happens to them, you'll want to repair them. And, you know, worst case, you know, you'll ha hand it on to, to the next generation. And I suppose we're trying to do an element of that. And then, so lastly, I, I suppose as a business, we're on a journey with this, but we're, we're constantly looking for ways to improve the sustainability of um, what we do, but also for our customers as well. So when, when we're designing products out of our materials, we're designing in a way that will make it easy for the whole thing to be disassembled really easily and then re, re, reused. And, um, and we actually, you know, we, we offer a cutting service for our customers so that we can ship out just what people need, which reduces shipping costs and all the carbon, you know, uh, around that. But it also means that we, you know, we can take the, the, wet, the kind of skeletal waste and we can recycle that internally ourselves. And then we're also kind of offering buyback schemes for our customers as well. So at the end of, you know, let's say it goes into our materials, go for tabletops in a cafe and they last a few years there we're happy to take that back and buy the material back and so all in all it starts making real commercial sense and environmental sense for and you know a whole host of businesses here in Wales to start looking at, at that that kind of thing and and you know we're you know we're at the start of all of this we're on a journey and we're constantly trying to improve but I think if we if we look at all aspects of design if we're looking at emotional durability and if we're looking at technical durability and we're looking at how we design products in a way to extend their life then I think we're all going to be in a better place. Mm, really inspiring. Rosalie where do you get your waste from now? We, um, we tend to work with waste management companies and buy, recycle it from them. Um, it tends to be um, post-commercial, post-industrial and post-consumer waste. Um, we, there are a couple of uh, companies 
in Wales that we work with, but we also go far further afield a lot, you know, in broader in UK. And um, we also sometimes get um, our recyclate from um, Ireland. And so we're constantly, and in combination to that, I might add, you know, we tend not to sell a huge amount in Wales. We tend to sell, you know, we, we sell globally and we sell a lot to, to, to London and the kind of design architectural hubs around the world. We don't actually sell very much to, um, to Wales. And so one of the reasons why I thought it would be so great to network with you, with, with you all is because we are on a journey to try and source our raw materials more locally. Um, and also to, to sell more locally. And the whole concept of our micro factory here on the Gower is so that we can do just that. It's about, it's about, local, it's about local making, really. And the, the, the whole concept is that the, we, we then replicate it around, uh, around the world to keep everything local, but on a global, on a global scale. Um, but it's all about, you know, sourcing and supplying locally. And, you know, I mentioned we're on a journey with that. And yes, we, we are doing a bit of it, but we want to do a lot more. Mm. I mean, that, it's those connections, the, the supply chain connections that are crucial. Um, yeah. Ian, you mentioned um, that the intention is to create a cluster of small businesses, presumably that you will, uh, as come environmental, be able to sell recycle it into those businesses. But what, what do you think can be done to nurture and support more people like Rosalie um, to make amazing things out of waste? Yeah, I, obviously I'm very interested in, in, in a lot of what the panel's got to say. So we're developing, um, trying to develop circular economy. So we've got people like Rosalie have little facilities on our own, on our own facility here. So we'd expect to have reuse shops. So one of the things um, we're currently looking at, which I'd be interested to speak to Rosalie about, is we're looking to manufacture our own um, sacks for our compost. But on the back of that, looking to see what else we can, we can make here. So we've got the financial will to put some investment in locally, but to work with local companies, we've got no experience in manufacturing plastic goods. Um, so it'd be interesting what synergies there is uh, locally. Same with uh, re reuse. So we've got four HWRC sites that we operate for Carmarthenshire Council. One of our current projects I'm working on is reuse. So do we have a reuse shop? Do we have a repair shop? Do we have a reuse central facility? Again, we don't have much experience in that. So I'm looking to try and draw on local expertise and to see what they can do in, in conjunction with ourselves. So again, bringing these local businesses here and helping us um, reuse, recycle, and keep it all, all locally. So it's, it's quite interesting um, what opportunities could be just with the panel we've got here, let alone the wider areas of Wales. So yeah, definitely would, would be interested in speaking to Smart Plastics about, with, these are projects that are happening now that I'm currently looking at. So it's not in 12 months time. These are things we, we want to do now. Um, and that is certainly will be helping local businesses then build their brands as well in conjunction with ourselves. We're a big operator, obviously we're the biggest in the Southwest. We, we want to be the hub for the whole of Southwest of Wales, if not South Wales. Um, so we, like I said, we've got a big opportunity. There's big development plans for this particular facility. So all of the businesses we're talking about we're looking to encourage to come here and work with us. So everything we're producing at the moment, plastic will stay in the UK. We have some local companies, but some will go um, to Germany. Cardboard will go to France. And it's, a, it's like Andy said, we don't have a mill uh, in Wales where we can send our, our cardboard for recycling. So that's a bigger picture. That's the, the Wales government trying to encourage that kind of industry. But on a smaller scale, uh, on micro scales, there's things we can be doing now and making all of these companies part of our, our, our future plans, which we're literally working on as we speak. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. Hopefully these guys will contact me after this and we can see what we can do now. Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting and exciting opportunities just from a small conversation. I think that's what Zoe and I feel so inspired by is actually when you 
just try and join up some of the dots um, that people from different perspectives within that um, world, within that supply chain. The opportunities are there for taking and it's, it's just about better collaboration. Um, who else would like to share any final thoughts on any of the themes that we've uh, talked about this morning? Yep, come in, Trevor. Yeah, I just um, talking about scaling things up. It was just interesting when Russ was saying um, about sort of competing with supermarkets. Um, and it just seems to me that I think that supermarkets would have paid attention to zero waste shops and the amount of maybe rich, you know, disposable people who shop there and they'll act accordingly. So they might change their ways in their packaging because of shops like you. So whereas you might not sort of uh, scale yourself up in that way, the amount of packaging will be reduced just because supermarkets will be scared of losing you. So there's, there's that to sort of think on in that, yeah, supermarkets are the bad guys, but if we can almost force them to change in, in that way, you know, there's another thing that you're doing in, in, in that way, if you know what I mean. Um, so it, as far as scaling up is concerned, it's sort of scaling across ways, I suppose. I don't know how that would... That's a great way of thinking about it. And I guess we're all responsible for that. When we think that as an individual, we, we can't make a difference. It's actually in the example that we set and the yeah, yeah, our behaviour and others. So, yeah, like your shops, Russ. I don't think Tesco's will like all these little shops coming up, which is a good thing in a way that they can change. Could I just quickly ask Simon, did you mention, was it Greenstream, the carpet recycling place? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I've got a flooring company and I lay wood floors and the amount of old carpets I pick up is unbelievable. I've got to pay to get rid of them right now. Really? Yeah, Ellen yeah, Pets is, is, runs that up there. Um, if, if you want to send me an email, it's simon at ministryoffurniture.com. Just feel free to send that through to me. It's just great to make these connections, isn't it? Russ, have you got any closing thoughts on any of the themes we've been talking about? Um, yeah, so yeah, I understand that ideally what we need is the bigger businesses, the, the ones with a bit more um, say in what goes on out there, um, certainly step up, see what we're doing, um, take note and hopefully trial things. There are some supermarkets out there um, Waitrose, I think, trialing one at the moment. Marks and Spencers have trialed them as well in areas. Um, I'm hoping that the trial doesn't um, depend on whether or not they're making money from it um, and actually that they're making a difference. I think that's the key. And um, as was mentioned, we, we are the consumers and we're the ones really with the power, the power in our wallets where we're spending our money. Um, and businesses will see that they'll check their data and if we're spending money in the right places then then hopefully they will they will catch on and um, I guess whether or not it's for the right reason or the wrong reason if it, if it changes it then it changes it and that's that's the important thing so um, we'll, 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 we'll keep chipping away um, there are lots of these smaller zero-waste shops opening up throughout the country um, unfortunately when I started mine there weren't any grants or any help out there financially for us so we had to go through um, business wales for small loans or or invest our own money into these things so maybe if if more grants were available then you'd see more opening up and not just zero waste shops but all, all these other sort of smaller independent businesses where where people are trying to make a difference as opposed to trying to make a profit you know um, unfortunately we're, we all need to make a certain amount of money to be able to live and to eat and to um, afford things in life. Um, but I guess the less we buy of things, the more we can spend on, on the good sustainable products and um, hopefully guide, guide businesses that way instead. And a key part of that is keeping that spending local, as local as possible. I mean, Rosalie was already talking about the importance of finding local suppliers and buyers. But when we talk about supermarkets, we know that the money that we spend in the big supermarkets disappears out of our local economy immediately. So all these things are connected, aren't they? We want people to have access to more sustainable um, 
products and services, but we also want them to be buying those in our local economies and that wealth that can circulate locally can enable businesses to thrive within our local economy. And, and what we all want is for those businesses to be exemplary and exciting and innovative, um, sustainable business um, opportunities. Andy, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, is there a prospect of regulation forcing uh, culture change among big manufacturers and big supermarket chains. Um, what influence has the Welsh Government got on that? What's, what's the plan for the next few years? I mean, what's the vision um, within your office and the wider Welsh Government of uh, how to scale and move more quickly with a lot of these ideas? Um, okay, if, if I could just make the, the personal comment I was going to make actually, but it was very linked to what you just said about local. Um, my own experience with the pandemic um, is that I've been buying virtually everything I need from our two local shops in the village, uh, which I've walked to. Um, where I have bought something, um, I've bought it uh, from the uh, original company who's made, who, who makes it or sells it rather than going through a very large internet sales organization. So I've gone directly um, you know, to, to, to the relevant company um, to try and make sure they, 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 they benefit. So that emotional connection uh, that Rosalie uh, mentioned, I think is really important here in terms of buying local and buying locally made uh, important. Um, in terms of our vision for the future, um, a quick plug for our uh, economy strategy that we consulted on uh, at the end of last year, uh, Beyond Recycling. And there's a whole load of things in there that we suggested uh, and where we sought people's views on, on the way forward. And, and I think we've had um, pretty, uh, pretty strong support for uh, the things that we suggested and we've also had new ideas uh, come in which is great. Um, as we've learned in terms of our recycling success, the role of government is quite important in applying um, the relevant sort of instruments or levers, uh, but then working with everyone to try and deliver the solution. Um, so we're really keen to work with Welsh manufacturers, uh, Welsh communities, um, the zero waste community, uh, you know, I, I hear what you say about uh, grant support. Um, you know, we do recognise um, that some sort of seed funding, uh, you know, may be necessary. Obviously, there is a big challenge with budgets for the future. Um, you know, as, as, as we, we we come through out the other side of the uh, pandemic, so you know, who knows there? Um, but government um, needs to lead. Public procurement is an area that we're very keen to look at um, and make sure that we lead the way in terms of procuring remanufactured uh, furniture, office furniture, for example, using re-engineered paint, um, perhaps buying items that can be repaired and upgraded uh, rather than recycled or, or disposed of. So government itself, through the, the whole of the spending power of the public sector, uh, can help drive change. Um, and of course, the public sector employs a lot of people as well, um, and influencing their hearts and minds uh, is, is very important as well. Um, whilst at the same time working really closely with businesses, uh, with organisations like yourselves in terms of clusters and hubs, and that collaboration uh, is really important. And of course with the Swansea Bay uh, City deal, um, which I was uh, also keen to mention, um, we hope there'll be opportunities there to embed circular economy uh, within that and support a, a number of the initiatives that we've talked about. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Andy. Um, I think it's been an insightful conversation on a number of fronts. Um, we talked about the need for uh, marketing campaigns and promotional activity and a kind of rebranding of sustainable uh, products and services. And we've talked about mapping and the huge untapped opportunity that exists by just connecting up the dots a little better. Um, but for the region, Zoe and I just passionately believe in the power of change makers and entrepreneurs and those, those people who've got great ideas and want to push them forward, um, those, those are our greatest hope. And we, we really think that connecting the dots between those who want to make things happen and those who have waste um, that could be remanufactured into exciting things, um, there's such opportunity for jobs and skills and communities. Um, and we'd love to help facilitate that process in any way that we can. Um, I'm conscious of time. I have no idea how long we've been talking for, and I think we could uh, go on a lot longer exploring all the avenues of this. It's one of those 
big challenges that we face and certainly something that's uh, you know ripe for exploration and conversation but I'm so grateful for everyone for tuning in today to talk about and think about the issue of waste and the opportunities that the circular economy offers for the future of our region um, and if you're out there with a business in the circular economy get in touch with us because we we all want to meet you and uh, we want to explore those opportunities for collaboration um, thanks again to all our guests for joining us and uh, we hope we'll see you again soon bye for now